In this episode, I will talk about communicating goals and student growth and collecting data that actually can inform instruction, even when our goal is language acquisition. This is a big thorny topic. It comes up a lot and there's a lot of what I would think of as misinformation out there and misconceptions. So I'm stoked to talk to you about this here in the depths of the summer on July the 5th so that you'll have plenty of time to process what I'm going to lay down. So let's go. So recently I was checking out a blog and it says um, backwards design, bad for languages. And it's like, don't use backwards design and understanding by design. And I just wanted to read a little bit from not like read the blog, but just kind of respond to some things that um, are, are on this blog. So um, this person is saying that like backwards design and understanding by design are designed for learning um, so that we start with the results that we want for our students. And if we're doing language acquisition, then our language acquisition is like kind of not under students control. So like it says, you know, we can establish criteria with learning and we can like help students develop tools to meet that criteria. But acquisition isn't like that. And I totally agree with that. Um, there's this internal syllabus, there's this natural order of acquisition. And so if we're basing our like backwards design or their deep understandings and enduring understandings and all that stuff on language acquisition goals, then that is not what I would recommend. Um, so then this person goes on to write that backwards design can be toxic when standards and assessments are thrown into the mix because they're saying that like if you're putting standards and assessments um, that measure the student's language acquisition, then we're always going to have a range of proficiency and an ability to perform on any kind of performance assessment. And so that's not equitable and that's not right. And I totally agree. They um, also go on to say that we should do something called forward procedure. Um, this is a really great idea. Um, this is something that I've actually been talking about a lot. I think um, the way I understand what they're talk, what um, this blog is talking about with this forward procedure, um, that we're like basically like. So the old forward procedure, which I just found, um, says it's a process-oriented uh, type of planning. It focuses on where students are, um, which doesn't mean that you don't have tests, but they're not predetermined. Um, they're created in response to what has happened in class and tailored to where students are. Um, so if there has to be standardization, it says that there, there would be an agreement to use the same test format, but not the same contents. So rather than focusing on covering content, it focuses on giving students what they want and need in that moment to learn. Um, it's more responsive to the learner. Um, and in a communicative classroom, um, this is a much more, like a much better fit. Um, for communication to be real, they quote um, Savignon um, from 1976, the year I was born. Um, he says, or she, um, above all, remember that for it to be real, communication must be a personalized, spontaneous event. It cannot be programmed, but you can make it happen. So I agree with part of what this person's saying, but not all. And one of the things that I don't agree with is that we can't set learning outcomes and work backwards from them. It's just a question of what the learning outcomes are. So if we're setting learning outcomes that are based on students like getting to some sort of predetermined spot on their ability to perform 
um, on like a performance assessment, such as if we say, okay, by May 25th, all my students need to be intermediate, high, um, or bust. That, I agree with this writer um, or blogger, that's not realistic. We're never going to be able to get everybody to the same spot. Um, and if we try to like force that into them, we're going to probably just end up getting them to memorize some things that make them sound like they're at that spot. Um, because really like this person writes, we cannot control that. That's under the control of the unconscious, like language parsing system that happens without the like student being able to control it. And a lot of factors go in to how well a student's going to control or, um, not exactly control cause they can't, but how well they're going to like, how quickly they're going to progress through the, the stages like beginner, um, or novice, intermediate, whatever. Um, and one of the big things that I think um, plays into that, and this isn't based on any research or anything that I've read, this is just my teacher hunch from teaching language arts and literacy and stuff like that for so long, um, is that like a lot of their first language and you know other language literacies, um, they have a, a big impact on how the student is going to progress uh, through those stages. I mean, not how, because that's they, they say that's fixed, that like there's this immutable or unchangeable natural order of acquisition. But like how quickly they're going to progress and how much is going to be like uptaken and, pro and processed and like turned into usable language, that has a lot to do with the student's first language and, or second and third language literacies before they hit our class. So we can though set learning outcomes that just wouldn't be based on like how much they acquire and they wouldn't be based on like, do they know the specific word? Do they know how to do this grammar thing? Those are not even in the standards. The standards don't mention most state standards and certainly our national standards don't mention any parts of the grammar or any specific words. So the reason that I wanted to jump off of this blog post is because this is like a big goal that I've been working on for a long time. So I really just wanted to respond to it um, and talk about how I have developed things and ways to comply with this requirement that we do backwards design and do it in a way that actually sets worthy learning goals that students can achieve and that are based on learning, but learning in the context of using the language that they have acquired and collecting data that can actually inform instruction and show students that they're growing when this blogger is right. It is very difficult to show them growth along that like unknown natural order of acquisition that just has to listen and read more language, listen and read, listen and read, and you'll get better. It's true. That's true. But a lot of our administrators, a lot of our students, a lot of us want more finely tuned ways to give students feedback. So I'm going to talk about that right now. But before I jump in, I do want to say there is absolutely no need to assess a student's language acquisition. If they show up to your class and they're engaged in what's going on and what's going on is incomprehensible language, they will eventually on their own timeline, build the language inside their head as if by a magical miracle called being human. Many cultures around the world and throughout time have myths and legends and like religious texts about like this gift and this miracle of where does language come from. 
And so it's really important for us to acknowledge that and to acknowledge that like all of the learning targets that I'm going to talk about now are all just like to give us tools and data and systems that are not at odds with language acquisition and also not at odds with how we're expected to function in your average normal school. So the materials that I have developed do have learning targets and they are in a way backwards design. One way that they are backwards design is that they are all organized around these cycles of instruction. So the first cycle of instruction is description. So everything in that cycle is all backwards design from the idea that we're basically giving the students a strong stream of descriptive language at whatever level they're at during those five weeks of instruction and the one week of assessment that comes after it. Now you might have a slightly different timeline, but that's how I envisioned it. Five weeks is just a comfortable time for a, a unit or cycle. That's the only reason that I picked it. It's not magical. So they are backwards designed from, from that. And then they're also kind of backwards designed from these end of cycle and also end of phase rubrics. For instance, the first phase, which is describing a setting, the basic rubric for like beginners um, says that they need to use sensory details to describe a place. That might be all that it says. I think it might also say that they need to have like more than one, you know, phrase on the page or something like that. Well, I thought I'd just go find them. So I did. So let's see. Well, this is cycle two, phase one and two. Well, we'll just talk about this. Now, cycle two is narration. So this is the beginner one. And I'm just going to talk mostly about the production. So the narrative writing rubric. This is the basic one. And it says, overall, you have a beginning, middle with a problem and a resolution. So this is a story, right? It's a narrative. A beginning, middle with a problem and resolution. That's an A. A B, your story is, is chronological order, told in chronological or time-based order. That's a B. C, in your story, it's difficult to know the order things happened. So... Basically, if you can tell it's a story and there's like a couple of events that are told in time order, they get a B or if they have a middle with a problem, there's an A. Um, and this is after like five weeks of, this will be like in week 12 of the school year. So end of the first, kind of right after the end of the first quarter. Um, characters. Your story describes the characters physically with at least three details. You also describe the character's personality, feelings, or inner thinking in at least three places. Setting. You describe the time, place, and weather with at least three sensory details. So after an entire cycle on description and an entire cycle on narration, the learning goals for a beginner to get an A is to tell a story with a beginning, a problem, and a resolution, three details about the character's physical appearance, three details about their personality, feelings, or inner thinking, and three details about the setting. Now, in cycle one, phase one, the goal was to describe the setting. In cycle one, phase three, the goal was to describe the character's inner and outer characteristics. And the entire time of cycle two, that they've been working with stories, they've been hearing a story pretty much every single day 
with a beginning, a middle, and an end. So they've heard basically like I was saying, it was it's been backwards designed so that they've heard tons and tons and tons of input that has these characteristics. Now you notice there is no grammar on this. There are no specific words on this. And that's because at this level, I would expect their grammar is going to be in the hot mass category. And I don't expect them to use any certain words. Actful and the state of Oregon, and probably your state too, if you go check it out, don't specify that the student needs to know certain words. It does talk about things not exactly like this, but goals that are similar to this. I'm going to go grab those actual standards. I'll be right back. All right, I got those can-do statements. So the can-do statements are where I usually go when I'm setting learning outcomes. Um, and yes, I am setting learning outcomes to like backwards design. If I look at the um, novice production, which would be like, in this case, if they're doing writing, that's presentational. So I'm going to look for the novice presentational communication. And then I'm going to see what like a novice needs to be able to do. And it's not use ser and estar. And it's not say rojo and roja. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that right now. Um, it is how can I present information to narrate about my life experiences and events? How can I present information to give a preference, opinion, or a persuasive argument? Now, a persuasive argument is not what a novice is going to be doing. And how can I present information to inform, describe, and explain? So those are the three things that they're supposed to be able to do. And for novice high, it says, I can present personal information about my life and activities using simple sentences. Novice high for the preference, opinion, and persuasive. I can express my preferences on familiar and everyday topics using simple sentences. And then informing, describing, or explaining, I can present on familiar and everyday topics using simple sentences. These are all great and everything, but it's not to me specific enough to set like usable learning outcomes. Um, it doesn't give a student like a sense of achievement to like just think, okay, I'm supposed to be able to present on a topic using sentences. Um, so that's why I took the can-do statements and the standards and the performance indicators and I mixed them with a little common core and a little bit of teacher's college magic. And I came up with these types of learning outcomes. Um, these types of learning outcomes are very achievable um, in a first year class if you like backwards design from them. So you want to point out to your students speaking while well, as you're speaking in the target language. Hey, this is the beginning of the story. Now using story mountains and using story maps and using other kinds of graphic organizers or having, you know, a little poster or a graphic that you show, this is the beginning. This is the character. This is the problem. This is the, what happens. Like if you just talk about that as a matter of course during your instruction, that is what backwards design is all about. You want the student to be able to have a beginning, middle, and end using whatever words and making whatever errors that they are going to make. And honestly, even though they are all like on these various timelines of acquisition, I have met very, very few students who, even in seventh grade, even kids with learning disabilities, even kids who like already speak a couple of different languages and English is a challenge for them. I have 
met very few, like I can't even think of any students who by the time that they would encounter this rubric in week 12 of school could not write some sentences in chronological order and describe it. Okay, so for, for a B, they have to write some sentences in chronological order. They have to describe the character with one or two details physically and one or two details about their feelings and their thoughts and their personality. And then one or two times they have to talk about the time and the place and the weather. But this is what they've been hearing all year long because I backwards engineered my instruction to give them a very concentrated dose of a lot of different stories and a lot of different descriptions about a lot of different topics and places and people and stories. But I concentrated on like giving that to them every single day and doing shared writing every single day. And in the shared writing, making it my goal to use sensory details and describe the character inside and out. And I even have like anchor charts where I'm like at the top, it says like describe the character inside and out or make the character real. And then there's like the anchor chart that I like for that is like a person. And then it's like a, just an outline of like a stick figure kind of person, more like a bubble person, I guess. And then on the inside, you put all these words that come up as you're giving this concentrated dose during cycle one, phase three of descriptions of a person inside and out. So like whatever comes up that day that we want to use in our writing, we kind of like set this little goal. Like, yeah, you guys, good writers. And I would say this in English to them. I don't care. This is not acquisition. This is learning. It's not exactly language learning. It's more like learning pragmatics and oratory and composition and rhetoric. So those are, you know, worthy goals. I used to be a language arts teacher. Now in language arts in seventh, eighth, ninth, 10th grade, like, of course you're working on something bigger than just like, say he's, you know, something about his outside and something about his inside. Like that's like a kindergarten goal, but that's the kind of goal that our students need. And honestly, that's what Actful's expecting them to do. I mean, if you look at these can-do statements, they look a lot like what you would see on like level two or level one of a teacher's college continuum where they're talking about like emergent writers, like first grade writers, like they wrote sentences. <laughs> so when we have goals like that, and we have like learning targets like that, it's actually really easy to get the students to achieve. And then everybody can feel super good. So how can you actually use these kinds of tools and these kinds of learning targets to actually inform your instruction? Well, one thing that I would not recommend that you do is think about well, they're not using these words. I need to like get some other way to make them learn these words. If you're using assessment tools that are looking for certain kinds of words, then you're going to find yourself like setting goals of like, man, I really got to get them to learn how to say like me gusta and not yo gusto. That's not in the standards. That's a really boring learning target. It probably isn't going to turn anybody on except for like you and the nerds in class. Most students are more turned on by like expressing themselves and being creative and having a community and learning things that are interesting. So I would urge you to think really deeply about like the kind of learning targets that you're setting and to also think really deeply about this concept of can we backwards design in a language class? We cannot, I agree with this blogger, we cannot backwards design for language acquisition. We can, however, backwards design and actful 
points or suggests in this direction when they talk about these different genres of persuading, informing, narrating, describing. It's really weird because I was actually making these different cycles and phases before these can-do statements came out. These are the new revised ones. And when they came out, I practically like fell over like with shock because I saw that they were actually doing similar to what I was doing because that was the only way that I could think of as a former language arts reading, writing workshop teacher, doing it by genre like that and like purpose of communication or function of the language, like describing or informing or narrating, like think that was the only way I could think of to take this big behemoth called language acquisition and give us goals to work on. So when we use instruction or when we use assessments like these to inform instruction, what we would see is, oh, I didn't do a very good job of telling my students that every narrative needs a beginning, middle and end. Well, shuck a luck. You know, good thing this is only cycle two, phase one. Nobody could do that. I'm throwing out that question and I'm going to think of a tool that I can use, maybe a tool that the students can also use, or I'm going to like spend a little bit of time in class, like helping the students figure out their own kind of tools to experiment with to help us all start like parsing out the beginning, middle, end of all the stories that we're going to encounter in the next three phases of cycle two, and then also on into cycle three, which is also narration. So that kind of goal is so big and so flexible that if people aren't getting that in your instruction, it like opens up a whole bunch of new possibilities for you to use the language. So teaching them a lesson on like, here's a story mountain, like aquí está la montaña de la historia, okay? Y aquí uh, tenemos un personaje, una persona. Una persona in la historia. Es una persona y un personaje. So, like, as you're making these tools and using these tools, you're bathing them in language. And just like this uh, fella over here back in 2000 or back in 1976, the year I was born, just like that dude was saying, we cannot truly communicate if our goal is to like focus on certain words and certain phrases and certain this and that. That takes away the authenticity and spontaneity and fun, honestly, of teaching a language and communicating in a language. However, that does not mean that we can't make plans. That does not mean that we can't act like teachers. I love teaching kids about story mountains. I love unpacking the mystery of literacy for kids. It's very empowering to the kids, and I really enjoy giving them that, even if it's in French, especially if it's in French, because not only am I giving them this little clue to like something that they might have missed in language arts, I'm giving them another language as we're doing it. So the goals that I have for my students are more of these sort of metacognitive goals, like writerly goals. Like, oh, I need to think about beginning, middle, and end. Okay. Oh, we need to start noticing more of beginning, middle, and end. Okay. Oh, I, as a teacher, need to start pointing out when I'm telling a story that, you know, this is the beginning, this is the problem, and this is the end. And there's tons of ways to do that. Once you start, like, using rubrics and continua, like I've been putting out in the Stepping Stones materials, you can find that 
you can actually start looking up primary teachers and first and second and third grade teachers in your language. Like I'm constantly Googling like CE1 and CP1 and CP3. I think there's a CP3. I don't know. The French grades are crazy. Um, So that I, and like, and then the topic that I want to teach about or like, you know, like how to write a story, CP1. Like this is like second grade, I think. Um, How to write a story in French. So like these are French teachers teaching kids that are learning French, just like we're doing. Now their kids are a little, you know, petit petit, but like they're still learning like how to tell a story and how to write a description. So we can like, it opens up the world to you. You can start looking at like authentic, culturally authentic, you know, sources for like your instruction. Um, And I've learned a ton about like French teaching um, in, you know, in the French language um, after kind of shifting my instruction like that. So I hope this makes you have some new thoughts about what kind of goals you can set. And about the fact that like, as far as language acquisition goes, like the best goal is no goal. It's true. Like the best goal is having no goal at all. Like my goal for language acquisition is that the students are going to listen, understand, read and understand. And it's my job to tailor those messages, the things I say, the videos I bring them, the explanations I give them, the text that we write together, the text that I bring to them to read, to tailor those and use my teacher magic to make them comprehensible. And then I'm also in the back of my mind, backwards planning from the fact that like in the first cycle of description, I just want to give them a concentrated dose of descriptions about settings. And I want to point out to them the sensory details that make the setting work. And I'm not telling them this. I'm not freaking out about it. But this is leading up to obviously the rubric I just read to you from cycle two, which is that they're going to need to be able to like in a narrative write two to three um, details about the setting. I mean, like, hace sol, hace calor. Like, está lloviendo. Like, if they, like, in Portland, you hear está lloviendo, like, every single day in the, well, probably, yeah, probably by the 12th week of school, it's um, lloviendo, you know, muchísimo. But anyway, that allows us to just, like, give them this, this concentrated dose of language, and it allows them to see progress. Like, along these sort of metacognition or metacognitive writerly type of goals, like getting better at putting a setting in my writing and stuff like that. So please, um, I would recommend that you check out the rubrics, check out the continua, and really think about what you could do to backwards design instruction that is in full alignment with what Axel is asking us to do and in full alignment with what the brain actually is capable of doing. See you later.